Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. In the spring of 1315, there began an era of unpredictable weather. It did not lift until 1851. You remember 1816 as the year without a summer. And hello, welcome back to the Soundtrack to a Life. I am Chris, as you probably had known already, unless this is your first episode, in which case, hello, I am Chris. Sam is with me here today. Sam, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Howdy. And uh, Sam is here this month as part of the All the Horror podcast collaboration project. Tell everybody about that. Uh, yes, it's uh, an event that we started last year. It was just a, a sort of a, a fun thing for some podcast friends that we had where we each did multiple horror-themed episodes with guests from other podcasts that were providing content. This year, we decided to grow it, and now there's 31 hosting podcasts. So there's a new hosting podcast every single day with guests from all of the hosting podcasts as well as some special guests from other podcasts and writers. And I think we even have a couple artists as well. So it's pretty exciting. And it's nice. all about the horror. And it is also, for those of you who subscribe at home, the reason why we're coming out like four days early in order to fit ourselves into that, in case you're wondering. And Sam and I are here today talking about Rasputina's 2007 album, Oh Perilous World. People don't steampunk often enough. Yes, there are cosplay kids at conventions, and I'd never take what they're doing away from them. I've seen some dope steampunk cosplay, but the culture behind it, what exists behind the aesthetic, remains to many unexplored. And that's a shame. Because steampunk books are frequently very good, and their movies are, well, there are movies. And the bands? The bands are frequently fantastic. Weird, singular, and relentlessly hyper-literate, of a very specific time, yet still somehow timeless. Of all the goth or goth-adjacent subgenres of music, steampunk by far cuts the most unique profile. The music lends itself to storytelling, to self-mythologizing, and that sense of myth makes bands like Abney Park or The Unextraordinary Gentleman, or Voltaire, or Emily Autumn, and, of course, Rasputina. Very, very easy to swear allegiance to. And the fact that the style of music never broke wide, was designed to never break wide, makes that allegiance even easier to swear. You get the impression, listening to something like O Perilous World, that you've been let in on something very personal and very special. Something that you're meant to keep under your hat, for fear that, should it become more widely known, some of its magic might be lost. Two Rasputina fans meeting at a party connect immediately and deeply, in a way that two Taylor Swift fans might not, because they're each so surprised to meet another Rasputina fan. This is foolishness, obviously, the worst kind of hipstery muso-snobbery, but it remains true nonetheless. I love all these bands. We'll be discussing Abney Park on here sooner or later, I'm sure, but this album in particular is one of the period's creative highlights. Smart and unafraid to be weird, unselfconsciously ambitious and creative, and willing to exist outside the conventions of both pop and alternative rock, O Perilous World is the rare album that sounds completely fearless. Rasputina follow the whims of their own particular muse, and in doing so they create something completely unlike anything that's come either before or since. And I love it when an artist does that. It makes for a wider, weirder world in which to live, and when the world grows wider and weirder, we're all the better for it. This is a record that especially deserves your attention, 
from a genre of music that hasn't gotten enough attention in general. It is a weird, rare, beautiful beast. And that is a thing that is always worth celebrating. So Sam, you'd never heard O Perilous World by Rasputina and now you have. I'd never heard Rasputina, period. I'll be honest with you, the first time I listened, I'm like, oh my, what did I get myself into? I listened to the second time, as you do, and I'm like, oh, you know, I think I'm kind of liking this. By the third listen, I'm like, I get it. It's, it's one of those ones that where I wasn't a fan right away, but I became a fan pretty quickly. Yeah, this is not a band that eases you into the concept. The opening line of the first song, in the spring of 1315, there began an era of unpredictable weather. It did not lift until 1851. You remember 1816 as the year with a summer. That's basically everything you need to know about this record. There's going to be a lot going on. Here is the tone. Here is how weird the conceptuality is going to be. And it's so interesting how that it's such a mashup of what you consider genres, right? Because you have some of it has an almost that Celtic feel, and then you have a song that is almost heavy metal, right? Like it's just it's so diverse. And lyrically, like the story that's behind it is fantastic If once you start to listen to it. They do a lot uh, with very little. There's only three people in this band. There's the lead cellist, the second cellist, and drums, which is not what you expect from a punk three-piece. But I guess technically it is a punk three-piece. Uh, technically, but it's, I mean, it's a cello band too, right? It's kind of interesting how it's, it's, it's a whole bunch of all things, but not just one thing. I think yeah. that's what, what, I, what I liked about it. And I, I think the, the, it could have come across as an identity crisis, but it's cohesive because you have sort of a single driving force behind the creative aspect of it. Yeah, they're, uh, they're very confident in what they're doing with this and very unwilling, which I respect, to hold your hand and walk you through it. They're throwing right in. You are expected to keep up. And if you can't, they don't consider it their problem. Exactly. I, I mean, this band is really essentially Melora Krager. I mean, she, I think she's the only one who's a, the, the consistent member and she's the one who founded it, at least from what I was reading, is that that's, that seems to be the case. And you just have to respect the vision and creativity that she has and picking the right people for whatever project she has in mind. Yeah, absolutely. She has a very distinct view of what she's attempting to do. And that kind of level of dictatorial control over the product that she's creating really allows this to stand out. Like other indie music that was going on at the time could not be more different than this. And it is, it's different. I, like I, when I first listened to it, it, it made me think of, of a scene that was happening here in Calgary, because we are both in Calgary. Around that same time, around the, the, the early to mid-90s, we had bands like um, Plaid Tongue Devils and Feeding Like Butterflies, sort of had that Celtic, sort of lots of, lots of um, stringed instruments um, instead of the sort of the traditional things you'd expect from a punk band. But it still had that punk ethic. Yeah, very much so. And cello tears it up as an instrument in alternative music. Not enough bands use cello. The auteurs did the same thing. It was a more traditionally structured band, but with a cello instead of a bassist. It has. Familiar with those guys. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the band, but, it, but I agree with you, in, particularly in reference to this album, because it just adds such an incredible low end to it. It has its own really unique voice that you don't hear from other sort of bass instruments. Yeah, like even with the other more traditionally formatted steampunk-style groups of this era that used more traditional instrumentation. They fit more in as what you would consider an alternative music band. But this really feels like it comes from some kind of alternate timeline. Like if the 2000s had played out very differently, this would have soundtracked it instead. Yeah, you know, it almost... How do I put this? I don't know if you've ever read The Difference Engine by William Gibson and Bruce Sterling. 
it feels like the music that would have been played then because it has it has that instrument mashup of sort of like sort of your traditional instruments but then you also have the electric guitars and the modern rhythms i find it really fascinating that it, that she captured that moment so clearly so well with it within the album i've listened to so far yeah absolutely she's very good at this the rest of rasputina's catalog also does a tremendous job of capturing time and place and tone and attitude in a very similar way um yeah and i, I will be checking out some of the other albums now that i listen to this one for sure I, I mean, I don't know that they'd be something that'd be in my regular catalog, but when I'm in the mood for something different, it, they'd definitely be on my list of, of things to check out. Yeah, you got to be in a very particular mood for this. I was wondering, as I was re-listening to it in preparation for this, what the audience for this would be like if you saw them? Because like, I feel like it could be a very sedate group of music appreciators appreciating the arrangements and following the story along, but there also definitely could be a mosh pit. I could see it going either way. Confession time. The second time I listened to the album, I listened to it while I was in the kitchen doing dinner and stuff like that. So, and it didn't, admittedly, didn't have my whole attention. But one of the things for music for me is I don't just listen to music, I feel it. If I'm not paying attention and it makes me move, it's accomplished what it should be doing. And I caught myself dancing in the kitchen. So, yeah, this is good music to move around to for sure. Right. So, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. You you could have the sort of sit and listen, which is what I did for my last listen because I really wanted to get deep into the lyrics and hear the story and stuff and i could do that but i also enjoyed the fact that when i wasn't giving it all my attention i was still feeling it yeah that's quite right this gets you on a visceral level for those of you listening at home who have not heard this rasputina record this is a concept album auditing the six years leading up to it of america's foreign and domestic policies told through a fictional steampunk parallel universe in which america is ruled by the queen of florida mary todd lincoln who threatens war and occupation of a small third world island using blimps and airships to capture a Bin Laden analog, Thursday October Christian, the offspring of real-life Fletcher Christian, the leader of the Bounty Mutineers, who settled on that island years previous. Steampunk plots are very crazy. Yes, and I, I, it's funny, I meant to sort of look at the source material a little bit closer, but yeah, I was fascinated by the fact that they delved into something real and, and created some this really wonderful fictional story out of it. Yeah, I, I, I want did, this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it was written as, as a play, right? And and even the, the album cover is like a theater poster. It's yeah, 100%. Like a golden age of Hollywood type affair. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I, I, and I enjoyed that. It's like there's, there's a commitment to the whole theme of this album. It's just so... This woman is an artist in the purest sense of the word, right? Because she created the album cover as well. She really does exercise control over what she's producing. And I, it, yeah. it tells because you can see how good it is. Yeah. I mean, good that she's been able to. This is a style of music that could not have happened 20 or 25 years ago and made it to an audience due to the amount of gatekeeping that until relatively recently was involved in the music industry. And this is a great example of exactly how the current system is better for the creation of good art. Well, their first album they got together in 1994. So or she's been working on the Rasputina project, as it were, for over 20 years. If it wasn't for support like these really great indie bands like Nine Inch Nails, who had her touring with them, I don't think Rasputina would have gotten to the point where they could give us this gem or masterpiece, if you want to even call it, because it really is. If you give it a chance to sort of simmer in your brain, because her voice is unique. And at first, if you're not into that style of singing, it can be a little off-putting. But once yeah, she realizes how it's... a little bit of a flavor to it. Yeah, she deliberately goes off-key sometimes. 
which yep. if you're not paying attention, you don't understand why she's doing it, right? The, but it's part of the story. And I think that was part of the first listen is like, because I was, you know, always first listen, you sort of just listen without giving it your whole attention. And the second listen was where I sort of heard what she was doing and why she was doing it. And it wasn't as off-putting or jarring. Yeah, as when... the, uh, the harmonies as well. It's a two-part, but it's not the traditional like third above two-part and like gives it like a weird otherworldly quality. It's, I loved that. I, you yeah, know, they, they, it's, it, it gave this really interesting, eerie sense of what was happening. Like, I mean, this, the theme of this isn't horror necessarily, but it has horror elements and certainly things like that particular harmony. You could hear that harmony in a horror movie or, or in a supernatural film quite easily. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that come up a lot on this show is vocalists who aren't what you'd call traditionally great vocalists but are perfect for this project. And this is very much that. It's her vision. So she's, she's definitely writing to her voice and she's very good at doing that. I mean, we, we talk about artists who can sing anything and then there's artists who can create the music that they are best suited for. Yeah. A well-developed sense of self. Yeah. And she has that them. all the way down the board. No. Yeah. This is very confident music. And I still want this movie. Like we've burned through three different Spider-Mans since the year 2000. And I can't have one dope steampunk 9-11 analog. You know, if you've got a point there I, I, or one good steampunk movie in general. Yeah. Because um, yeah, every it time is, they try to make one, it's wild, wild west. Exactly. And it's, I mean, I think, and the sad thing is wild, wild west is the benchmark. Is there's a really sad uh, thing. What the hell else were they steampunked? I guess Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes a little bit. They're, they, they certainly have elements of it, and those are well done. I will have to say those are well done for what they are, but they're not, I, don't, I wouldn't call them steampunk, but they are definitely have that steampunk sensibility. Yeah, they take elements of the aesthetic from it. Yeah, and, and certainly they modernize certain things and add some fun sort of technology that maybe wasn't present in reality, but they're definitely uh, not quite there. Yeah, and it is the, uh, it is the visual hook that is probably what people would think of when the steampunk style like not a lot of people have read the books not a lot of people are familiar with these bands everybody's seen the kid with the goggles at a convention yeah and you know how much of that is is oh that looks cool without understanding what it really is and what's behind it a lot of it i would never begrudge those people putting together a really top quality costume absolutely counts as fandom as well oh no i freaking love the costumes I mean, I, I still love the costumes, even knowing that some of them aren't, haven't read the books or listened to the music or really seen the films. They've got them, that's a cool look. You know what? They do it really well, and I'm power to them. Yeah. I, I, I don't have the patience or wherewithal to get that dressed up. No. I got a bowler hat with goggles on it that I'll occasionally wear out to Dickens. And yes. that is about the limit of my cosplay. Halloween, I, I occasionally will put a little effort in. Occasionally. Also at Dickens. How about that? Interestingly enough, we've never met, but we share the same favorite pub. It's a good pub. It is everyone a good pub. Everyone in this town should go there, except that don't go there, everyone in this town. I like for it to be half empty. I'm sure I, the owner could let her be entirely full every night. I'm sure that Chris would really appreciate more people in there, but his hang, the DJs are packed now, um, or the last yeah. few times I've been in have been absolutely crazy. They're not playing as much of the music that I liked when, he was, when it wasn't as busy, but you know, he's my friend, and, and I'm glad that he's doing well. Absolutely. I have to figure out whether I'm going to their uh, 80s night this week. Oh, that's uh, this week? That's this week. That's Friday. 
Kids at home, it is not Friday. But as we record it, it is Friday. You know how podcasts work. I don't know why I'm explaining this to anybody. Yes. And unless you're in Calgary, you can't come anyhow. That's also very true. Well, you can. I mean, if you're, you're absolutely welcome if you can travel back yeah. in time. Yeah, they're always doing something. Yeah, if you come to Calgary, you absolutely should visit Dickens. The thing that makes that bar special is there's no real theme to the bar except for the fact that it's really good for alternative music. So you get heavy metal, you get punk, you get industrial music, uh, you get drag shows. I, I love the fact that he doesn't limit himself. Yeah, he has yet to do a night that sounds like Rasputina, but it would be in character if he were to try it out. I think if there were local bands doing something like that, um, if Plaid Tongue Devils, actually, you know what? I think Plaid Tongue Devils did do a show there, a reunion show not that long ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I wish I could have gone to that. I, I, yeah, I know that they would got together to do a show. I was pretty sure it was Dickens and I was mad I couldn't go. I, was, I know I was mad I couldn't go to the show, but I can't remember if it was a Dickens or not. But certainly if they, I could totally see them playing there. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, the version of this on Spotify is longer than the original? As is the version on Amazon Prime that I listen to. Uh, they have, there's a one bonus track that I can see why they left it out because it is the only song that feels out of place. Yeah, there's a bunch of, uh, like, the story ends, and here's a bunch of stuff from that period that we're throwing in as, well, I mean, it's 2007, so I assume it was iTunes bonus tracks to attempt to get people to uh, buy the download. Most likely, yes. But yeah, it, it was one, one of the things that when I was listening to it, I was like, okay, that kind of just yanked me out of that whole experience I just had a little bit. Yeah, so, um, it's meant to end at the pruning. Yes. And then everything past that is other things that they did, which is all fine, but it does not contribute to this very insane story about airships and a war. Airships and a war and, you know, you get a sense of there's, there's, there's a lot of madness happening there in, in your, our lead character. As well, he's, he goes off to his cave to escape from his reality all the time, right? Yep. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a story. And, and like I said, I mean, we chose this because of the gothic kind of theme of to sort of fit into our all the horror. And, and at first I wasn't sure, does it fit? I'm like, oh yeah, madness, science yeah, fiction. It, it absolutely fits in because it, it's a moving story. Like I, I, I do... I do feel music, right? So, so when I finished listening to it, like especially when I was just sort of still and actually listening, I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. I really felt what they were trying to tell me, and I, it it does make me want to just sort of dark room listen to it, where there's no distractions, yeah. there's no devices, no TVs, no people. Yeah, it's one of those records that you can come back to endlessly, and every time that you listen to it, there is another uh, layer of meaning to unpack that you didn't notice previous. Absolutely. And I think that reading the, the source material, like the, the sort of the inspiration for it would, would add another layer to it. It's like, okay, I see what they did with that part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I am still hung up on how do these people present this live? Because I am going to say the idea of 1500 people at like Mac hall or something scream singing in unison. Oh, bring the egg unbroken back. You are the king. Oh, we'll be thinking of the ocean while the king brings back unbroken the egg of the sorting nesting tern. Strikes me as so over the top. So wonderfully over the top, though. And, yeah. and, and as you were saying, I was, like, I, could, I was seeing it, and I'm like, that would be fucking amazing. Sorry, I F-bombed, but it would be. That's fine. This is not an organized enough concept that I'm aware that I can keep anybody from swearing. 
Well, um, I try not to, but I did hear it on your last one, so I'm like, I can probably get away with one. <laughs> yeah, you certainly could. You certainly can. What else would be a great thing for a crowd to scream? What have they done, but there's no fun in a draconian crackdown? Uh, that whole song is just, it's like this sort of centerpiece. I mean, it's only the third or fourth song in, but it catches you so off guard because you're getting used to sort of this really beautifully atonal piece. And then all of a sudden, this song comes in with these electric guitars and the heavy beat, and it's just, oh, wow. It, it's, it, do, it doesn't feel out of place. It just... We have taken a turn. Yes, exactly. It, it, and it, it's perfect. Like, everything about that song is perfect for the song because it's, it captures, it gives you like a whole sense of the energy and anger and the all this happening. Yeah, attitude, exactly. It really kind of made me go, took me back. I'm like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And that's another thing that's great is when you listen to an album, you go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. That's how you know it works. Yeah, yeah, this is the sound of music that owes you nothing. Exactly. I, you know, I so want to see this. I would love to see this perform live. Absolutely would love to see it perform live, converted into a stage play or, yeah, as, as a film. But I think our movie I, Hollywood. Exactly. I say that so often. Yeah, I think that only if it was being performed live or in, in a stage play, if Rasputina was playing it. This is not a bunch of friends getting it together and taking it up to the fringe. It would not work on any conceivable level. No, it, 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 you need the, this is one of those things where you would need the original artists or some really, really talented fans, like really talented fans, like the kind yeah, that absolutely. probably don't exist anywhere. <laughs> I mean, like those fans exist and this feels like the style of music that would inspire that level of fanatical devotion. Oh, for sure. I think it's got a small but very powerful fan base. There's another artist that I, I, I'm sorry, I'm name dropping a lot of artists, but this made me think and, and her work ethic and her, and, and her artistic vision made me think of other people who are, were coming up around the same time in the same part of the world, too. I, I was thinking about the Dresden Dolls in particular. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Love Dresden right? Dolls. As do I and Amanda Palmer. And again, you want another steampunk-ish band. They took a different avenue with it, but there's still that same sense of what's happening here. Yeah, absolutely. Dresden Dolls are my favorite minimalist early 2000s post-punk two-piece. You yes. heard me, White Stripes. You heard me. I don't know why I'm bashing White Stripes. I like White Stripes as well. But... I, I do too, but I don't think the Dresden Dolls get the credit they deserve for the creativity they presented and, and their commitment to what they do. And, and, and like I said, and that's why I thought of them when I was listening to this. It's like, okay, wow, these are the scene in the mid-90s, early 2000s New York was just yeah, bonkers and brilliant. Yeah, and very cabaret. That's right, yes. And Amanda Palmer still does work. She is out there with something new every few months. She is, and she does it all herself. She does, it's all crowdfunded or, or out of her own pocket. Again, that's somebody you want to talk about a work ethic. This is somebody who's committed to their own vision. And doing and, it her own way. And doing it her own way. And her Twitter feed is freaking awesome. That as well. I have a place in my heart for like spiky punk minimalism. But I am a sucker for a song that will put, frankly, too many words into the lyrics that don't necessarily fit. I have to agree. There's a, at times, sometimes you're like, what the hell are they doing? But when it's done well, like this entire album, you love it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the Elvis Costello school of lyric writing. Uh, it doesn't really matter if it scans so much as it matters that it say the thing that I want for it to. Yeah, and it, yeah, she's really good at it. And I love the way that she, I, I mean, the entire album also has a sort of tongue-in-cheek feel to it. 
No, maybe not tongue in cheek. It's like, it's like there's a little side sideways wink. It's like this is supposed to be fun. Pay attention and just have fun with it. I, yeah, not an arm's length quality, but like a sense that they're observing the music as they're making it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a, yeah, a wink and a nod is is I think where I would go with it, especially when she drops into that those really interesting spoken word bits. There's a bit of a sass there that I quite enjoy. Yeah, a hundred percent. She brings in a lot of attitude, but also like a weird vulnerability. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to explain your feelings for this album, again, one, because it's fairly new to me, but also because it was such a, a range of emotions from the first to the third listen. And just the, the because each song makes you feel different as well. It's, it's not a level listen in any way, shape or form. Because some songs, they, they, can, they bring you, bring, sort of bring you low as they're intended to. And then you have songs that are quite upbeat and you're like moving around and, and having a good time with it. So it's it's a really hard way to it's really hard to express how you experience this album unless you listen to it. Yeah, it expects for you to meet it where it lives rather than the other way around. Like you can't throw this on at a party in the background, probably. Like you will feel it, but everybody else at that party having their first listen experience is not no, going to completely get what you're driving at. No, you'd probably get a what the hell from more than a one person at a, at, a, at a party. Just accept my weird story song cycle set to cello that thrash. Yeah, unless your friends are all really, really heavy stoners. Then they might get off on that. Oh, this would be perfect for the basement of a party where like three people are getting high. Yeah, yeah was, I have yeah, no three, doubt there. Yeah, three moderately intelligent people. I, I, they're the casual users who, who like to get stoned and do stuff like this. I'll buy that. I actually would buy this as a stoner record for the basement of a party. I never yeah. considered it that way. My go-to for it is now three in the morning and half the people have gone home is usually Primal Scream. But I think I could probably put this on and get away with it under those circumstances. I, I think you could, yeah. I think it would be really fun to see somebody who's sort of getting into that introspective mode give this a listen. Yeah. Watch them in real time go through the five stages of <laughs> what the hell is going on with this. Oh, that would be something you'd have to videotape. Yeah. And I think that the um, I think that the steampunk metaphor works really well with the politics of this. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like I... you could not have this direct a run at U.S. foreign policy in 2007 without getting some blowback, without some kind of narrative device. I'd have to agree with that. I mean, I don't even know if you could do it now. There's no safe place for somebody to speak out anymore. I mean, look at she may not even be news anymore by the time we, this this comes out. But Greta Thunberg. I mean, she's all over the place right now, and she's incredibly outspoken, and, and her message is extremely powerful. Whether you agree with it or not, it's a powerful message. Yeah, I, um, and she is very good at it. Like, she she's, is delivering it well. She is very good at it. Terrifying, actually. But you look at what's happening to her on social media, where she's just getting vilified by some people, and then you've got other people on the other side, on the other side who are behind her all the way. And this is just a good example of, of, of exactly what you were saying, though, is you can't always get away with saying what you mean. But if you couch it in something intelligently disguised, you can still get your message across. Yeah. By the time people realize they're learning something, they've already decided that they love your band. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there are a few bands who do that very, very well. And I would have to say this is one of them. Very much so. We could use some more from these people at some point. Maybe they will. I have no idea what kind of schedule people are on. Melora, if you're out there, we could do with a new Rasputina record. I think they actually did put out a couple of like random tracks over their website last year, so it's not completely out of the uh, 
Oh no! Oh no! She's still creating. I think her last full album was 2015, from yeah. what I could see. But when you have somebody like this, I mean, Tool just came out on the album. It took them 13 years, so she can take five. Yeah, that's 100. percent Plus, it allows for a uh, sudden fantastic surprise drop from a group that you thought no longer existed. Exactly. Yes, and I will be definitely paying more attention to Rasputina because I did really enjoy it after giving it a chance. Like, yeah, they're it a ton of fun. Yeah, far more than I, I think- than I expected to. Nice. They expect a lot from you, but once you get there, it's very rewarding. Exactly. But I guess that brings us near-ish the end. I'm going to end the show because I end every show asking three questions. You've already answered them. You're going to listen to this again? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gonna the, the I said, it, it's going to be the dark room listen, yeah. Uh, and if you could pick one song off this album to close out the episode, what would you pick? Oh, it's, it has to be the Draconian Breakdown. I just that yeah. the energy of that is right. just amazing. We are closing on a Draconian Crackdown. Uh, this has been the soundtrack to a life, everybody. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us, review us. If you wanted to give us a five-star review, that would be a good number of stars for a review. If you wanted to give us a three-star review, give us a one-star review. I have nothing of three-star reviews. I don't understand why people give them, and I don't understand what they're for. Sam, plug your own show. Okay, so I am the co-host of Invasion of the Remake. We talk about the dreaded remake of films. We also, because we don't want to be boring, um, we'll also, every other episode, we will pick a movie that wasn't very good the first time around that maybe could be remade. So yeah, we do that. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio Public, and basically anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can find us there. You can also find us on Linktree, on Twitter at Invasion Remake, uh, on Instagram at Invasion of the Remake, as well as Facebook at Invasion of the Remake, or you can email us invasion of the remake at gmail.com. Jay usually does this feel. I think I did okay given that I never do it. You got all the information out. Sometimes that's all you can ask for. Also, check the other, all the horror shows that have been happening this whole month. There are 26 other podcasts that have come out by the time this comes out that are in some way horror themed, where everybody knows each other and i'm looking forward to it you can go back and listen to all of them if you want you can go back yes. and listen to some of them if you want yeah there will be there either uh, will all be available on the all the horror webpage when i get it done but it will be done in time for all the horror and yeah follow all the horror on twitter at all the horror or join the all the horror facebook group for all the news all the updates we're getting near the end by the time you hear this but there's still lots of archive content there Yep, you should definitely check that out. And we will be back in two weeks with something different and goth adjacent because we're doing that for November because that is the time that I chose to do it. We will talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.